get right into the Word today. A few weeks ago, I preached a series that I titled, Don't Give Up Now. And the second message, I just, when I said that, Siri thought I hollered at her. Did you hear? Yeah, she said, I'm sorry, I couldn't quite hear you. Uh, but uh, uh, in the second message, I think is what I said. I didn't say Siri. But we talked about Paul and his shipwreck situation. And today I want to pick back up right in the middle of that situation and remind you of what the Word of the Lord said. Because sometimes when we're in the middle of a situation, it helps us to be reminded of what the Word of the Lord said to somebody else who was in the middle of a situation and then see how it turned out for them. Amen? Sometimes it helps us to hear that. So we're going to pick back up in Acts chapter 27. Paul was in the middle of a situation, all right. He was in the middle of a miracle, but he was also in the middle of a mistake. And I want you to understand today that sometimes those two things are the same thing. It's all about perspective and how you look at it. Sometimes the mistake can end up being the miracle. Say amen, somebody. So if you'll stand with me all over the house, we're going to read six verses of Scripture, and then we'll pray, and I'll let you be seated. Acts chapter 27, Brother Lauren's going to have it on the screen, verses 20 through 25. In the New International Version, it says this, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, because it was one of those things that just wouldn't let up. He says, We finally gave up all hope of being saved. It was not the kind of trial that you go through and you just get through it. It was the kind where you don't see any end inside. Has anybody ever seen those kinds of trials? It doesn't seem like you can even see the light at the end of the tunnel. So what happened was they lost all of their hope. They quit believing that they could be saved. They quit believing that it could be any different. They quit believing that, that they could be delivered. And right at the time when they started to let go of their hope, God spoke to Paul in a powerful way. And of course, Paul was that great missionary who took the gospel to the Gentiles. And so it was a good thing for them that Paul was on board. So I want you to look at the person standing next to you and say, You ought to be glad you're standing next to me. Come on, because any boat that I'm on is better because I'm on it. Amen. Verse 21. Yeah, I heard somebody say, uh-huh, yeah. Verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and he said, and you remember me reading this in the last message, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. In other words, he was saying, Paul, you can't go down in this battle because I've got a bigger battle ahead of you. I don't know how comforting that is. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must, shout must, run aground on some island. So a few weeks ago, I preached part two of Don't Give Up Now based on the phrases, not one of you will be lost, and the other phrase, that it will happen just as he told me. And today, I want to bring to you another message from this same story. And I pray that whatever situation you may be facing today, that when we leave here, we can all leave here making this confident declaration today. Look at the person next to you and say, it's all 
part of the plan. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I pray that it would go forth in clarity, that it would bless the people that you have brought into this place to hear it, whether they're here in person or watching by live stream. God, I pray not only would they hear your word, but I pray that we would apply your word today. And I pray, God, more than anything, that your word will strengthen their lives. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Thank you, Nicholas. It's all part of the plan. Because Paul, as spiritual as he is, is apparently not above telling someone what he told the sailors who were on this ship that was headed to Rome. They were trying to get to Italy, but Paul was on there. He was on this ship because he had been in jail for preaching the gospel. He hadn't done anything wrong, but sometimes the reason that you have to go through things in this life isn't always because of something that you've done wrong. Somebody help me. Even as a Christian, sometimes the things you go through may even occur directly after you have done something that was right, and you can't always know the reason why you're going through what you're going through. And that's a difficult one for me. Is there anybody else in the house this morning that will just be honest and say, you're one of those like me, you want to know the reason. You try to figure out the reason. And I feel like I'm good at dealing with resistance if I know the reason for it, especially when it comes to dealing with people. And so uh, Angie told me that I disclosed a little too much this morning, so I'll disclose a little less but still make the point that I want to make in this service. And Trevor, you can just bleep me out at 8.45. Amen. But what I said was I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good at dealing with resistance if I know the reason for it, especially when it comes to dealing with people. Recently we had some folks that visited the church here and thought that they loved the church until they found out that they didn't believe something that we believed. And so... I had a discussion with them, and it, it, we respectfully agree to disagree with each other, but our, my belief system is not going to change. Hello. Our church's belief system is not going to change. That's already established, right? So I feel like I'm pretty good at dealing with the resistance if I know the reason for it, and I understood the reason for it. We respectfully agreed to disagree, and uh, I wish them the best, and I know they wish us the best. Sometimes uh, I do better if I, with the resistance if I know the reason for it. And I also, I'm one of these that also pretty much always take people at face value for what they say that they want in a relationship. And can I tell you that Angie doesn't. I didn't just throw her under the bus, but she's a living example of what I said last week, that trust takes time. How many knows that trust takes time? And she probably, in my opinion, sometimes I think she's too skeptical. I think she should trust people more, but she thinks I should trust people less. So we kind of balance each other out. But the older I get, I'm learning that though she may be right, maybe sometimes I should trust people less. I see some of you nodding your heads. Because people will say what they want you to hear sometimes in order to be your friend for a season or maybe even in order to get something else for another reason. And I know you can't go through life living like that and you, you should assume the best about people and all of that, but sometimes you just don't. And sometimes you get in situations where you're like, hmm, I wonder what the real reason is for this. You ever done that? And just like my kids sometimes, some of you may relate to this, if they're too nice to me, if they hug me a little too tight, 
Abby's already smiling, and she wasn't even here at 8.45, so this is the first time she's heard this. But when Abby comes in and says, hey, Daddy. And a lot of times she'll follow that up if she really wants something with, you're looking thin today. And I always know behind that affection, there's an ulterior motive. She wants something. And she used to stay, say, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but she used to say that she had a three-step plan to get what she wanted out of me. And one time I asked her when she was going through that plan, you know, she was flattering me, and I asked her, I said, do you really mean that or do you want something? And she studied for a minute, and she went, both. And so that's pretty good. And for me, I hear Paul in this passage of Scripture. I told you that to tell you this. Okay, he's on a ship, and he doesn't believe that he rightfully belongs on that ship. He's been taken prisoner for a crime that he didn't commit, and he's been accused of things that he did not do. And I hear when he's talking, I hear two things. I hear faith because he says, it will happen. Just as, he, just as he told me. And then I also hear frustration because I can hear him, in essence, saying, why did this have to happen? I hear both. Because watch what he says. He says, if you would have taken my advice, you would have spared yourself this damage and this loss. In other words, the reason that we're about to wreck, boys, is because of a decision that you have made. But how many knows if we stay too long in the reason, if we're not careful, we might end up drowning? Because what matters is, at some point in your life, you have to get past trying to figure out why it happened. And that's difficult. It's difficult for those of us who want to know a reason. And when I first started out on church staff some 15 years ago, when I would try to be there for somebody who was maybe going through a loss or a great tragedy, or I would call them, or I would go visit with them and pray with them, I would always, as a young minister, I would always feel this overwhelming, uh, compelling to give them a reason as to why they were going through this. Uh, you know, say those cliche-ish things like, but God is going to use this for your good. You know, quote Romans 8 and 28. Now, I know this has happened, but we know that all things work together for good. Or quote Jeremiah 29 and 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Every verse that I could think of to maybe bring them some comfort or to help them see that God had a reason. But I realized at some point in there of doing that, that sometimes people don't need a reason when they're in the middle of a storm. They just need reassurance that God will not leave them alone in it. And when someone that you love is suffering, don't be so quick to give them a reason. Don't be so quick to try and figure it out. Some things I'm learning in this life you will never figure out, no matter how hard you try. And people don't need a reason when they're going through a great trial. What they need is somebody to assure them, hey, God is here with you and so am I. And so here's Paul, and he's standing in the middle of a storm. And the reason that it's happening is because of their negligent decision. Have you ever had to go through a storm in your life because of somebody else's dumb decision? This could potentially be a really awkward moment, particularly if that person that's seated next to you is the one that made the dumb decision. But Paul says, if we would have done it this way, oh yeah, because not everything that happens to you happened because God wanted it to happen to you. Did you hear me? 
And certainly not everything that happens to you happens to you because the devil did it. I think sometimes we give him too much credit. I think sometimes we've got the wrong word because they both start with the letter D and so we get confused because sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's your own decision. And I know that that's not going to gain me any popularity preaching like that. But sometimes this didn't have to happen like this. And that's the hardest thing for me to deal with sometimes. I don't know about anybody else. But the hardest thing for me is when I feel like it was avoidable. When it might could have been avoided. And that's the stressor in it. I was talking to Angie the other day and I said sometime down the road because we've been going through something, and I'm not talking church-related, something else, but we were talking through it, and it was, and not with each other. Our marriage is good, something else, just in this thing that called life. Yeah, you got to disclose those things nowadays. People just run to all kinds of conclusions. So the marriage is good, um, and it don't have to do with the church, but we were going through something, and I don't have to tell you what it is. Hallelujah. But it's something that we couldn't understand. And I said to her, at some point down the road, we'll look back on this and we'll understand why this had to happen. And she said something to me to the effect of, this was not her direct quote, but in essence she said, I guess, but I remember her saying this, she said, I still think we should have known beforehand. And so then I began to question myself, did this have to happen? And it probably, for those of you that know me, know I'm very analytical. It, it probably didn't have to happen. Maybe it would not have happened if, but nevertheless, regardless of all of that analysis stuff that I could continue to do in my head, for whatever reason and for whatever purpose that it serves in my life, I have no choice at this point except to deal with the fact that it did happen. Hello, somebody. Have you ever been there? And I thought about it for a few weeks now, and I want to tell you. I've come to the place in my life where I no longer try to figure out whether God did it or the devil did it because the reality is that it has to pass through the same hands before it ever gets to me anyway. And I've, I've read enough of this book to know that God will use other people's bad decisions as well as sometimes my own to get me to my destiny. And I've seen enough play out in the scriptures to know that Joseph, if you know about his story, at the end of his life was able to look at his brothers and to sincerely say, don't even worry about it. Don't even be concerned about it anymore because what you meant for evil, God worked it for my good. Hallelujah. Because that's what God does. So then we ask the question, which one is it? Is it evil or is it good? Exactly. It doesn't matter, Brad. Why can't it be both? Why can't it be an attack from the devil that God puts to good use and repurposes in order to accomplish his will in your life? That's, that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying that it didn't have to happen. I don't want you to blame this on God. We could have avoided this. Maybe you realize you didn't have to take that job. You didn't have to make that large purchase. You didn't have to swipe that credit card. You didn't have to get yourself involved in something that didn't really involve you. Hello. You didn't have to date them. Can I get a witness? Somebody told you they were crazy and you wouldn't listen and you dated them anyway. But how many knows if we stay stuck in the reason, we'll miss the revelation. Because Paul says, you know, there's a reason this happened and it could have been avoided. But last night while the storm was raging, I was all alone. And God showed up and he reminded me that his purpose is still intact 
And even if the ship goes down, guess what? It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. And God doesn't tell Paul a whole series of explanations. He doesn't give him a reason. He gives him a revelation. Revelation is more powerful than a reason. Because, see, you think you can't fight the devil in the situation because you don't know the reason. But sometimes what you need to do is go back to who God showed you that he was and realize that God's strategic in this and sometimes he'll create a situation in your life in order that you'll get a revelation of who he is. Let me preach right here for just a moment. See, Jesus loved Lazarus. How many knows Jesus loved Lazarus? That was his good friend. And when they tell him that Lazarus had died, now keep in mind they told him a few days before, you need to get there. Lazarus is sick and he's going to die. And so when they tell him that Lazarus had died, Jesus said something to the effect of, I'm glad that it happened. You're like, wow. You're glad that it happened? Yeah, I'm glad that it happened. Because now you're going to get to see something you wouldn't have seen had it not happened. Because now you see we've got a situation. And the situation is what enables the revelation. See, they all knew Jesus to be a healer. But now they get to know him as a resurrector. And so he said, I'm glad it went wrong. I'm glad it went poorly. And Paul said, we must, shout must. We must run aground on some island. It's all part of the plan. It had to happen for a reason. He will bypass the reason and give you a revelation. A revelation that says, you still belong to me. You're still my child. I'm still fighting for you. Because listen, I cannot operate in my life by reason. Because if I operate by reason, sometimes I'll be up, sometimes I'll be down. Anybody know anybody like that? But it, when I operate out of revelation of who God is, you see, I know that He is good. And I know that He is with me. And I know that He is for me. And I know that He said in His Word He'd never leave me. And He'd never forsake me. So I may be finding myself somewhere out in the darkness and where I can't feel him and I can't see him. But even when I can't see him, I know he's working. Even when I can't feel him, I know he's working. Because he never stops working in my life. And although I cannot maybe physically feel like I can reach out and touch him. And I don't know that he's there. I still know that his word said he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He promised he'd go with me all the way even unto the end of the world. That's my revelation of who he is. And so when you get in trouble, you don't need a reason, you need a revelation. Have you ever told your children to do something? And this used to be more of an issue when mine were smaller than it is now. But have you ever told them to do something or have you ever told them that they can't do something and they come at you with, but why? Is there anybody else in the house besides me who will be honest and admit that demons you didn't know you had begin to manifest themselves? At that point, yes, I found a few witnesses. And I hope that in those times that you do as I have done, and that is resist the temptation to do them physical harm. And you answer with something like, and if I'm truthful as to how I've answered, it's been more like, because I'm your father. Anybody else ever done that? Because I'm your mother. Because I'm your father. And really, in essence, what you're saying is, you don't need a reason to do it or not do it. You just need a revelation of who I am. 
Oh, let me preach right here for just a moment. This ain't in my notes, and Angie didn't tell me I couldn't say this. And I did say it at the 845 service, and it's not in my notes, but could I do a little parenting 101 right now? Is that all right? Oh, I don't, I don't feel my help. Is it all right if I do a little parenting 101 right now? I don't know why we're living in this day and time where people will look at me and say, I, don't, I can't do anything with them. I can't make them mine. I can't get them to come home at their curfew time. Can I get a witness? Hello. When I want to say, excuse me, hello, if they won't come home at their curfew time, you take their keys, baby, and you hang them up and you say you ain't allowed to touch them. Now you're not going to drive to school because you didn't come home at your curfew time. And then when they badmouth you, and when they talk back to you, you do something that this book says you don't spare the rod because if you spare the rod, you'll spoil the child. Don't tell me you cannot make them behave. The Word of God gave you some instruction on how you can make them behave. Hello? All right, I'll move on. A little parenting 101. I'm serious, folks. It's, a, it's almost like the drug epidemic. People acting like seven-year-olds control their lives and tell them what to do. Hello, bust their tail in the name of Jesus. Tell them you love them when you're done. My mama used to tell me she loved me before she whipped me and tell me she loved me after she whipped me, but that did not stop her from leaving some stripes on my legs. And guess what? I don't think I'm an idiot. You learn how to act. When your parents discipline you according to the word of God. Some of you may think I'm an idiot. That's okay. I don't think I'm one. Amen. But sometimes in your life you won't know why. But if you just know who. Let me get back into what Paul said. Paul said last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve. Now I want you to look at somebody and say you need a revelation. Paul says we're going to make it but the boat isn't. The boat's going to be destroyed but we're going to make it. We're going to suffer loss, but we're not going to lose what's most important. You see, that's the promise. So you know what's amazing about this story? What's amazing is it happened just like Paul said it would, and they all got safely to shore. They all became ashore on this island. And that's the word for you today. It's all part of the plan. And when they got there, the Bible says, and we're going to read some other scripture this morning, but the Bible says in Acts chapter 28 and verse 1 in the NIV, it says, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Now, Malta means refuge. That's ironic. And so the grace of God does not always prevent the consequence, but it always gives you a place to land. Say, praise the Lord, somebody. And so Paul said we must run aground on some island. And when we got there, we found out that the island was called Malta. And it must be a relief now that we're no longer on these open seas because they spent several weeks being tossed around wondering if they'd ever see dry land again. And then when they get to that place, the Bible says in verse 2 that the islanders showed us unusual kindness. Now, islanders is a kind term because the actual word that is used here from Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is barbarians. And he called them that because they didn't speak his language and they weren't kind people by nature. And so Malta is an unfamiliar place. And the Bible says they built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Now imagine this. Can we empathize with Paul for a minute? Because he survived the shipwreck only 
First of all, he was put in jail for preaching the gospel. Then he survived the shipwreck only to shiver in the cold with people of an unfamiliar language in an unfamiliar territory. He survived, but now the place where he is is unfamiliar to him. And I mention that because many times in my life, I have found myself on Malta. Anybody ever been there? Have you ever been to Malta? I'm sure you have. It's, it's that place. Let me show you on the map. Let me show you where Malta is. Malta, see, he was, he was sailing from over here around Asia, and he was going up to Rome in Italy, which is in the middle of that leg that almost looks like the opposite of Florida right there where it says Italy. Rome is that red dot right there. He was sailing from Asia to Rome, but he ended up, look how tiny, he ended up at this teeny, tiny, little, bitty, insignificant place at the bottom called Malta. That's where the wind blew him for several weeks. That's where he landed. This tiny, insignificant place. And Paul had always wanted to visit Rome. And he was leaving from Asia, going to Rome. But he was going to have to stand trial before Caesar. But he, there we know he would get used as God's great spokesman. And Rome was the most powerful place in the world in its day. And that's where he was headed. Have you ever felt like you were headed in the direction of somewhere that God wanted to take you only to end up somewhere you never intended on going. Anybody ever been there this morning? Malta. That's what we call Malta. Malta's the place you didn't plan on staying. It's the season you didn't plan on experiencing. Malta is the layoff you didn't see coming. Malta is the relationship you didn't see ending. And Malta is the emotional place that you never thought you would experience. You saw other people get depressed, but you never thought you would be depressed. You saw other people whose grown children did crazy things, but you thought yours would act right. Malta is the place where someone who was there for you is no longer there for you, and they leave you alone. Have you ever been to Malta? Anybody ever been there? And so we got to ask the question this morning, what is somebody as important as Paul doing somewhere as insignificant as Malta? Paul survived the shipwreck, but he landed in Malta. Have you ever given up hope? And just when you gave up hope, something grabbed you, grabbed a hold of you, and pulled you out of the depths and gave you some hope again. The Bible says that those islanders were so kind to the prisoners. There was 276 of them in all. You don't read that in that passage, but if you read history, you'll find it. There was 276 of them in all, and they built them a fire. And Paul was such a good guy that he decided to help. That means Paul was not a lazy preacher. I said something at 845 that I want to say again. The Lord may, you know, we're living in a weird time in the church sometimes, I think. And the Lord may at some point raise up somebody who may be an armor bearer of sorts for me that may help me out with things and that may pray and, and those kinds of things. But I, can I just, is it alright for me to say that I'm sick up to here with ministers trying to find some young boys who's got to carry their briefcase, carry their Bible, carry their towel, and carry their change of clothes? Hello. Paul was not a lazy preacher. Listen, here's what I say to that, ministers. That's not an armor bearer. An armor bearer is somebody that carries armor for you, that prays about your shield of faith, that prays about your breastplate of righteousness. That's what an armor bearer is. What you're trying to get is a servant. Hello. Paul was not a lazy preacher. And so he was a good guy, and he decided to help. So they're building a fire, and Paul, being the grateful man that he is, he wants to help. The Bible says he grows over, and he grabs this bundle of sticks. Let's look at it. Verse 3. It says, he gathered a pile of brushwood, and he put it on the fire, trying to help, and a snake came out. 
So let's go back to everything that's happened with Paul. First of all, he was in prison for preaching the gospel. Then he was through in the biggest storm of his life. And then he was shipwrecked in a small, insignificant place because the sailors were too dumb to follow his advice. And now he's stuck and he's stranded. He's shivering in the cold in an uncertain, unfamiliar place. And just as he thinks he's made it to safety, he gets struck by this snake. Has anybody besides me ever been there? Just when you thought the worst part was over, here came something else coming at you. Anybody ever been there? And this snake pops up out of the fire that Paul was simply trying to help them build on this strange island where he never planned to go. And the Bible says, listen to this, that it fastened itself to his hand. Now, that's not just a strike. That's an attachment. Hear your pastor this morning. Because some things in this life will come as a quick blow at you while others will try to attach themselves to you. And if you don't detach their attachment, they will poison your system. Did you hear me? Now, watch what the people did. Let me tell you, you got to be careful about people. Because when that happened, people will always assign a reason to why you're going through what you're going through in your life. People will say stuff not to you, but about you. They'll never say it to you. They just think it about you and say it about you. And they think that the reason that bad things happen to you is because of something that you did. Well, these islanders are all watching this guy who's got this snake on his hand who just came crawling out of the sea with some seaweed around his neck and claims to be a preacher and he claims to be a servant of God. And so if you're a servant of God, then why isn't God protecting you? Has the devil tried to convince anybody else lately that if you was where you should be with the Lord, you wouldn't be going through this? Or if God was the God that you say he is, he'd step right in and make all this stop. Has he ever told you that? And so they stood back and they said, looking at Paul, when they saw the snake hanging from his hand, I wish I'd have brought me a, a play rubber snake this morning. I, I forgot to do that. But which means it was hanging from his hand. It was there for a minute. When they saw the snake hanging from his hand, they drew their own conclusions. Let's look at what they said in verse 4. When the islanders saw that the snake was hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. Wow. Talk about your crazy conclusions. You get bit by a snake, oh, he's a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. And I love the next verse because Paul preaches one of the most powerful sermons in the New Testament. I want you to watch this. When Paul saw them all looking, when he realized that he had a captive audience, verse 5 says when Paul saw them looking, that Paul shook off the snake into the fire and he suffered no ill effects. I want you to hear me this afternoon. He didn't say a word. He did not try to convince them that God was with him. He did not feel sorry for himself. He did not go, here we go, on Facebook and write a response post. Hello. What he... Maybe I need to say that again. I said he didn't go on Facebook and write a response post. Watch what he did though. He did what you've got to learn to do when you've just made it through the roughest storm of your life and then all hell breaks loose as soon as you get to the shore. What he did was when it looked like it was the end, when you've been through it and it keeps coming, the Bible says that Paul just 
shook it off. Oh, I want to tell you something this morning, this afternoon, whatever time it is. I've been asking God this week, listen, for what I've been going through. I've been asking God this week, guess what, God? I don't need to say a word. I don't need to open my mouth. I don't need to post on Facebook. But just give me a captive audience. Let the naysayers look on. Let them watch what's going on. And let them watch me while I shake it off into the fire and realize that God was on my side. Hallelujah. No ill effects. I came here to tell somebody today what you need to do in your life is just shake it off. You don't have to say anything about it. You don't have to fight the battle on your own. Just shake it off and let them see you shaking it off. Because you know what? If God said you're going to Rome, the devil ain't going to be able to kill you on Malta. Hello. Paul says, they can't kill me. I'm going to Rome. It's all part of the plan because God was not done with Paul yet. Now I want you to hear your pastor this afternoon. Nothing. Say nothing. Nothing that people think about you, say about you, or do to you can cancel the purpose of God in your life. Nothing that people think about you, say about you, or do to you can cancel the purpose of God in your life. God says you don't need to know why. You just need to know who. And God is with you. Now listen, faith does not prevent you from getting bit. And I'm not talking about handling snakes either. Because I don't care how much faith you got, you still might get bit. And I don't care how much faith you got, don't be bringing them in here. Hello. But I'm talking about by the enemy. Faith does not prevent you from getting bit. Paul had to get bit. Faith enables you to bite back. Now that's probably not something that's good for Parenting 101. But it's good theology nonetheless. We all need to learn how to bite back. The proof of mature faith is not that you got through a situation. The proof of mature faith is that you're still serving God when the crisis is over. Mm. Not that you just made it to Malta, but it's that you made Malta your mission. See, Paul didn't want to be in Malta. And it was not his fault that he was in Malta. And Paul certainly did not want to have to deal with a snake bite. But I want you to watch what else happened. Verse 6. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, watch this. They changed their minds. You know, people do that quite often. And said he was a god. That's why you never live your life according to the opinions of other people. Because people will call you Emmanuel one moment and then be crucifying you the next. People will be shouting Hosanna to you one minute and then be yelling crucify him the next. But I want us to look at one more thing to show you the real reason that you had to experience Malta and be in the storm. And then I'm going to close. This is it. Verses 7 through 10. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. Remember that, three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. You see, what started out as a mistake 
turned into a miracle for the island of Malta. Maybe I should have called this sermon Miracles by Mistake because after we learned that Paul didn't die following the snake bite, the island of Malta concluded that Paul was a special guy. He was a great guy. And so Paul, uh, Paul learns of Publius's sick father and he now understands, he gets it now, why he was shipwrecked on Malta and he received the revelation. And once he received the revelation, the real reason that he was there, he realized it was all part of the plan. Because listen to me this morning, the wind was controlling the boat, but God was still controlling the wind. Did you hear me? The wind was controlling the boat, but God was still controlling the wind. And so it blew Paul to Malta. And it was for this moment moment that Paul came to see Publius and so Paul says can I see him but he is really sick they said Paul said no worries the sicker the better and I want you to note in that passage of scripture there's no recorded conversation between Paul and Publius his father his actions did all of the talking because what happened you hear this you catch this this morning the same hand that was bitten and attacked by the enemy just three days before the same hand that was injected with poison that should have taken in his life just three days before the same hand that shook off the viper with faith walked into that room where the sick man laid and he laid that same hand on that man's head and he was releasing the healing power of God and he realized I'm not here for nothing this didn't just happen by chance I, most of us have been so poisoned by our situation that we missed the opportunity to understand what our mission was did you hear me? The same hand the devil attacked The same hand that was full of poison Walked into that room where the sick was laying Laid his hand on the head And said in the name of Jesus Be healed And after Publius his father was healed The Bible said Everybody on the island Started coming to Publius his house For Paul to pray for them And before long Everybody on the island got healed I came to serve notice on the devil this morning you might have thought your situation was for naught you might not have understood what you were going through but sometimes God lets us go through it so we can see and understand the greater purpose that he's placed in our lives and what people were preparing for was a shipwreck on that island but what God was preparing for was a revival that would break out where multitudes would be healed and saved I'm preaching myself to death up here Sometimes you got to consider why you went through what you went through. The why does not really matter. For Paul, it was all part of the plan. Because if Paul didn't get bit, we wouldn't know that the God that he was serving was greater than the venom in the viper. And once Paul had a revelation of who God was, Paul didn't need an explanation as to why he was in this particular situation. It was all part of the plan. I didn't want it to happen, but nonetheless it happened, and it made me who I am. So I want to tell you this morning, regardless of if God did it, you did it to yourself, or the devil did it, God will use, if you'll let him, that situation for his greater purpose in your life. They'll come to the music this morning and you'll stand with me all over the house. Because of Paul,
Publius now gets to cancel funeral arrangements for his daddy. And he opens his house to heal others on the island. So Publius's house became a church of sorts, a healing room, if you will, where people came to be healed. Paul didn't know it, but God was using what Paul had to go through to turn a place of death into a place of life-giving power. The whole island was healed. And you know, perhaps this message is not for everybody today. But what if God is wanting to use what you've been going through? And what if where you've ended up is the place where God is going to use you to put life back into somebody's dead situation? You couldn't see the reason for it, but God is saying to you today, it's all part of the plan. So in your mind, I want you to go back to your Malta. If you're not still there, you may still be there this morning. The place where you got stuck. God says this. God says, you're not stuck. You're stationed. This is when we realize that Malta can become your mission. God says, go back to this place where you never thought that you would be. Where the wind blew you to. This tiny, little, insignificant place where nobody even hardly knows you're there. The rest of the world place where your mistakes landed you and at this place make a declaration this is my Malta and I'm not yet in Rome where I'm going to further serve the purpose of God but right now right here I'm going to make the decision to serve God right in the middle of my situation yeah you may be in your Malta but know this revelation the same revelation that Paul got by the angel the son of God whom I know and who I serve who gave up his life for me on that cross is with me right in the middle of what I'm going through so I'm just going to be real simple this morning and I shared this at the 845 service so I'm going to share it with you I've already shared a little bit of it you know I said it didn't have to do with the church. It doesn't have to do with our marriage. But Angie and I, yes, have been going through something. And so I want to be transparent to you this morning because I feel like, if it's all right to say this, in the church world today, we live in these glass bubbles whereby we come to church and we put the happy face on and we try to act like everything's okay, everything's hunky-dory. And the devil tells us, if you go forward... They're going to know you're in Malta. If you go forward, they're going to know you're going through a storm. Listen, I want to tell you, Angie and I have been going through a storm. We found our place on Malta. And I don't care what anybody has to think about it. I'm glad that God spoke to me this week through this word and told me, what if I'm using this situation for a greater purpose in your life? Don't spin your wheels trying to figure out the why. Just recognize the who and watch me do what I'm going to do. And I believe God wants to say that to you today. So it's real simple. I'm going to pray. They're going to sing. And we're going to open this altar. And I want to invite everybody that will, that knows you're going through something. Maybe you've been through it. You just got through it. Or you're starting to go through it. Or maybe you're right in the middle of it. Come and tell God right here, right now. In this moment, 
I'm going to focus on who you are, not the reason why. Father, we praise you this morning. God, sometimes we find ourselves in strange situations in our lives, but I want to thank you for every wind that directs us, even at the times when we don't like it. And so, God, I pray that today some will make a decision right here, right now, that nothing will stop your purpose from operating in their lives. For anything that has happened in our lives must go through your hand before it ever gets to us. So, God, I pray today in this altar that you would bless your people today. Bless those that are struggling with the question who you are and where you are and why they've been going through what they've been going through. I pray this morning, Lord, for the end of their struggle and I pray for the end of their doubt and the end of their unbelief because the moment that we believe that there is nothing left that the enemy can do to us, that's the moment that God will not let us lose faith if we trust in Him. And God, I pray today that some of them would become the devil's worst nightmare, just like Paul. If they've been on Malta and they've been hurting people instead of healing people, God, I ask you this morning that, that they would get a revelation of who you are, that they would no longer ask the question why it happened, but God, this morning, that they would realize the wind might have controlled their boat, but you were controlling the wind all along. God, I thank you for your sovereign hand over our lives. I thank you that you're with us through every storm. I thank you that you're with us through every shipwreck and every insignificant place that we find ourselves. But God, I also thank you for the ways in which you use us that somebody else can be healed through what we've been through. God, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness, and we ask you to do what only you can do in this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray.